Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is David Cannon, and I'm the chair of the Jewish Network for Palestine, JNP for short. Um, a warm welcome to all for JNP's fourth webinar titled Imagined Race from Judeophobia to Zionism. And I'm pleased to also welcome Professor Shlomo Sand and Professor Haim Breshif. Haim is a member of JNP's steering group and will introduce Shlomo. The presentation will be followed by a question and answer. So during the webinar, the audience is encouraged to submit questions by chat, which will be monitored by Dr. Les Levidal, also from JMP's steering group. Les will select and pass to me to ask at the end of the webinar. So without further ado, I pass over to Haim, who will introduce Shlomo. Haim. Hello. Um... Welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm very glad that you could join us for this webinar with Professor Zand. Um, you know, because I'm sure uh, all of you have read at least um, a few of his books on the many topics, but especially on the topic of um, the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Um, Shlomo is actually um, much wider a historian than just writing about Judaism and um, the invention of the Jewish people. For many years, he concentrated his research, publication, and teaching on the intellectual history of Europe and the history of nationalism, in which he is one of the uh, world leading researchers. Um, he also published on um, the history of the cinema. Um, and he uh, recently published, um, actually in a number of languages, um, and his books are uh, translated into many languages, as you know. Uh, he recently published um, a book in verso um, on the end of the French intellectual. Um, and uh, apart from that, of course, um, at the center of his work is the uh, incredible trio of books, the invention of the Jewish people, uh, the invention of the land of Israel, and um, when and how I stopped being a Jew. Um, and today uh, we're talking to someone who's published yet another book on this topic, um, and this is what he is going to relate to. Uh, and this book concentrates on eudophobia, um, as opposed to calling it anti-Semitism. And I'm sure he will relate to this in his uh, talk. Uh, so um, I would like to ask Shlomo in uh, a way of uh, getting the ball rolling. Uh, first of all, um, why did you decide now to publish uh, about eudophobia, um, is there something in this time and place that um, pushed you to do that? Yes, it was a simple, uh, you know, uh, a simple event. Uh, I was asked by a French publisher uh, to react to the declaration of the president of uh, the French Republic that uh, anti-Zionism anti is anti-Semitism. And I remember it was a long 
discussion in the French journals about the fact that uh, anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism are two concepts parallel. In, uh, it's disturbed me a lot because a part of my time I'm teaching and giving uh, lectures in, uh, in, in France. Then I decided to write this little book that it's called uh, The Imagined Race and uh, to try to make it clear what is uh, anti-Semitism and what is anti-Zionism. You see, I don't consider myself as a Zionist. I never was in my life a Zionist. A part of my time uh, when I was young, I defined myself as anti-Zionist. Later, I decided uh, that I, if I would be asked if I'm a Zionist, I will answer no. I never was a Zionist. And I think that uh, a Zionist state is not a good thing for the Jews. Now, I started to, to write this book that it, in, in some way, it's a conclusion of all my work about Jews, Zionism in the state of Israel. Now, I make a few steps forward and I arrive to the conclusion that uh, what I prefer to call Judophobia and not anti-Semitism, I can explain why, because, you know, in the, in the term anti-Semitism, there is Semitism. And I don't think that the Jews are Semit. I mean, uh, even they didn't speak a, a Semitic language. I'm speaking a Semitic language because I'm Israeli. Most of the Jews in the world, I'm speaking about the Jews in Europe, didn't speak never, uh, a Semitic language, then uh, I prefer for this reason or also for other reasons, you will not have to forget that the, the concept of anti-Semitism was invented by anti-Semitic. And I think that in the term of anti-Semitism, there is a kind of essentialism. I don't, I'm not sure that I can say it in English, essentialism, you see? Mm -hmm. The, the Jews are something in essence different, came from elsewhere, and etc., etc. Then I prefer to use the word Judophobia because the difference in history of the hate of Jews are so different that you cannot put Shakespeare and Hitler in the same uh, game about uh, the relationship to Jews. Then I prefer, uh, grosso modo, to use the word Judophobia and not anti-Semitism. Now, in my work, I arrived to the conclusion that uh, Judophobia, the origin of this hate of Jews, is essentially a Christian invention. I think that uh, the Christianity invented the Judaism as we know it in history. I mean, it's not Judaism that invented Christianity, it's the opposite, if you want. In the way that the victory of Christianity in the fourth century of our area started to construct, uh, the, uh, how we say, the, the existence of the Jews in Europe. Then I arrived to the conclusion that my book, The Invention of the Jewish People, was maybe correct, but not correct enough. Because it's true that uh, it was the Zionist historiography 
that invented the Jewish people in the modern sense of the word people. But it was in the ancient, in the New Testament that you have the idea that the Jewish are something else. I mean, they, they belong, they did, it's not only a religion, it's a kind of, a, even a race, they use the word uh, people race in Christianity in the New Testament. And then I started to walk about the expression in the, in the Christian tradition in Europe, uh, the vision of the Jews, how it changed during the century. And this is my little book about uh, the race, uh, the imagined race, race. Now, I want to stress something very important because the, you know, the, the history of Christianity uh, has all the time relationship with the existence of the Jew. In the Christianity doxa, you know, dogma, doxa of Christianity, the Jews are not uh, other religion. It's something strange that came from elsewhere. It's not a part of the game of religion at all. And I followed it in my book very shortly. And I discovered that uh, the hate of the Jews in the Jewish civilization was much, much more greater than the Islamic civilization in elsewhere. I mean, uh, the, the relationship to the Jews in the Christianity is something very, very important to understand Christianity. Now, this is one of the reasons that I become very mad to hear today people are speaking about the Judo-Christian civilization. I don't know if you, they use it also in England, but in France... Unfortunately, they do, yeah. Everywhere. You hear the word Jewish Christianity. I mean, the Jewish Christianity civilization. It's making me mad, you see. After so many years, the Jew was a stranger. You know, it was the Antichrist. Suddenly, we have a civilization of Judo-Christianity in the enemy is a different kind of person, mostly the Muslim. This all this, for these all reasons, I started uh, to think about uh, that I have to, to enlarge the notion of invention, the Jewish people, to the history of Christianity. This is my book. Now, I started by the point of, I was, you know, it was a, a publishing house that uh, commanded the book. Then, you know, in, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to, to think about the relationship between what you call antisemitism and anti-Zionism. Now, this is a very, very important question because not only in France, also in Germany, in Great Britain, I see more and more a kind of Zionist mechanism to try to blame everybody that make a critic about the Israeli policy to class him as an anti-Semitic. At the beginning, it was like a joke, but it's become more and more serious in Germany, especially but also in Great Britain in the uh, Labour Party, 
it's it started to be something really strange. I didn't believe that I will uh, live in a world that uh, somebody that said that uh, the Jews are not a race immediately, the reaction we how, how he said, the Jews are not a race, not a ra nation, how come, how come? You see it in some newspapers, even in England. I always thought that uh, the Jews are not a race, are not a nation. And I thought that uh, for British Jews, the, their homeland is Britain, is England. But saying it, something like this today in England, is to become an anti-Semite. Saying that the Jews belong to the French nation, you know, make me, they make you immediately somebody that are against Jews. And we are living in a kind of uh, mechanism that it's not so easy to fight back. Uh, uh, Shlomo, I want to ask about this because what you're saying, of course, is obvious, uh, but is very radical, uh, revolutionary. You know, what you're saying is to come and say to French Jews, you are French, to come and say to British Jews, you are British, is anti-Semitic, while actually um, for most of history, uh, anti-Semites said to Jews, you are not French, you are not British. So this is a, a, you know, a reversal of history, of a, a re, a, an anti-Semitic reversal of argument. This is the reason that I wrote the book. You see, in 1917, when the Balfour Declaration came out, Balfour Declaration about the, you know, the Jewish uh, homeland, most of the British, uh, the Jewish, British Jews were against the Balfour Declaration. They were more or less in that time, a quarter of a million Jews in, uh, in England. Most of them were against the Balfour Declaration. Why? Because they say, no, Britain is our land. Today, you can find a lot of Jews in Britain that uh, are sure that Britain is their land, but they want another land. Un pays en plus, in French. I mean, you see, they want you, the non-Jew, to recognize that you are a full British citizens, but you have another land in the Middle East. It's unbelievable what happened. Then, you know, lately in London, somebody said the Jews are not a nation. Uh, the land is not in the Middle East. The land of the Jews are not in the Middle East. Immediately it was classed as anti-Semitic in the Labour Party, except this definition. And I asked myself as a, you know, an old admirer of the Labour Party, how come? In also knowing that it's very dangerous for the future very dangerous for the future. You know, generally speaking, we can say that in the Western world, United States, Europe, Judophobia, they, you know, become less and less important in political life. We can find the anti-Semitism everywhere, but it's less and less if you compare it to the other 
times in history, you can see that Judophobia become less and less important. But if something make it continue to live, continue to exist, is the relationship with Israel. The, the place of Israel in the imagination, political imagination of a lot of people. You know, a lot of people feel very badly what happened in the 20th century in Europe. And then they decided to be super admirer of the Israeli state. As somebody that is living in Tel Aviv, somebody maybe that will die in Tel Aviv, I can say you one thing. I cannot accept, I cannot accept that my country, my state, define itself as a state of the Jewish in the world. I think that in the end, it will finish badly. I think that the Israeli state has a right to exist today, even if it was a product of colonization on the count of another population. But even with this, I think that we have to accept the Israeli state as a historical fact. Now, but I accept Israel as the state of its citizens. I don't think that, that Israel has to be a, a Jewish state. I think that Israel has to be an Israeli state. I don't believe that it, something like Jewish democracy can exist. An Israel democracy can exist, but not a Jewish democracy. It's unbelievable. But the Jews in London, they attack today. People that try to define Israel as a state of its citizens and not the state of the Jews of the world are classified as anti-Semitic. I want to ask about um, the history before we go to Britain, because I'm sure uh, people want you to speak about Britain and France and Germany. Uh, but, um, you know, your book is making some incredible claims. I think they are correct, but these are incredible claims that have not, in my knowledge, been made before. For example, you are not coming short of claiming that um, the identity of Christianity is tied um, very strongly to Judeophobia. That actually um, the um, self, the Christian self, was uh, in a sense formed around the Jewish other for such a long time that it's very difficult to actually separate it from it. And, and in this case, uh, if this is the case, um, the Jew uh, in Britain, in France, in Germany, in Italy, in, in Spain, etc., uh, was not a citizen. In other words, they lived uh, as non-citizens. Now, in Israel, they actually control their own Jews who are also not citizens. This is a very interesting twist um, of European and Israeli history. How we say in French, tout à fait. Uh, you see, it's, it's a kind of doxa, it was a part of the Christianity, that become a doxa in Israel. Now, you know, it's the price of the Holocaust, if you want, in some way. Uh, 
like the Palestinians are paying today the, this price of the Holocaust by the fact that uh, Christianity today accept something that was very strange to her, that uh, the Jews are, by the way, maybe I make a mistake because it's some continuation of Christianity. The Jews are not the enemy, but they are not exactly like us. And this is the reason for a lot of people, I think, by the way, you can find in, on the right wing in Europe, Christian right wing in Hungary, in Poland, people that are thinking that Israel has to be really the state of the Jews. I'm sure that in Poland, I'm sure that in, in Hungary, it's very, very clear. The Jews has a state. It's not Hungary, it's not Poland. In England, in France, it's a little bit different because they have a traditions of liberal democracy. They know that the Jews are a part of the British citizenship. But you know, this is a kind of atmosphere in some way continuation of the Christianity culture. Maybe in the end, Israel is the real state of the Jew. Not England, not France. You know, it's a kind of mixture cultural, political mixture, very deep. But maybe in the end, Britain has not to be the, the, the homeland, the state of Jews. Nobody will declare it openly. But the fact that uh, you can find people that criticize the Zionism is also against this deep tradition of Christianity. Jews came from elsewhere. Maybe they have to go back there. By the way, even Kant, Immanuel Kant, was thinking that Jews come from elsewhere. They are not European. Now, what happened today in Europe, in France? Uh, from one side, you know, all the liberals say that no Jews are part of our nations. But in some place, I think, they believe that Israel is the real state of the Jews. In this way, they confirm a kind of Zionism, very dangerous, by the way. But they also confirm anti-Semitism. This I wanted to say. This is anti-Semitism. They don't confirm. They are anti-Semitic. And I think that it's not, you know, the, the, labor, um, the labor members that say that Israel is a state of its citizens and not of the Jewish world. You know, the fact that they were classified as anti-Semitic is a kind of anti-Semitism. In the way, I try to explain in my book that uh, I'm sure that there are anti-Zionists that are anti-Semitic and don't have, like the Jews. It's elsewhere, you know, stupidity, you can find stupidity everywhere. Then I think that you can find in groups that critic Israel a lot of uh, Judophobes. But essentially, basically, most of the anti-Semitic today, I think you can find it between the pro-Zionists. I don't say that Zionism is anti-Semitism, but I say that there is 
a kind of relationship within between deep relationship, epistemological relationship within Zionism and anti-Semitism. You know, I finished my book with a joke. A long time ago, an anti-Semitic was somebody that uh, didn't like Jews. Today, anti-Semitic, by the way, it's an Israeli joke. Today, anti-Semitic is somebody that Jews don't like him. Now, it's, in, you can tell this uh, joke in Israel, you cannot tell it in Britain. This is the problem with all this story about anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. But, you know, if we could ha be happy that Judophobia and, uh, and anti-Semitism are much less in the beginning of 21st century, I'm afraid that conflictuality between Israel and the Palestinian, the fact that Israel is a state of apartheid today, and I repeat the word apartheid, you know, 53 years of occupation is not temporary. You cannot continue to speak about occupation. It's a stupid story. You know, try to think about it. Jerusalem is considered by, uh, you know, by Jewishness, by Zionism, as the eternal, you know, capital of the Jewishness, the eternal capital of the Jewishness. 40% of the people that are living in Jerusalem today has not any citizenship, any democratic right. 40% of the population fought 53 years. I'm not speaking about the occupied territories. I'm speaking about Jerusalem, the capital of Jewishness. Go out, ask in London, what is the capital of the Jews? Jerusalem, 40% of the people that are living in this city for 53 years has not any democratic right, not the right to organize politically, not the right to strike, and not the right of even living in their houses. And they consider that I am anti-Semitic, you know. I, I want to um, bring this back to you because I think the book um, is arguing um, incredibly um, accurately, I think, that um, for almost 2000 years, Christianity depended uh, on uh, a hatred of the other. In this case, it was the Jews uh, for most of this period. Uh, of course, uh, after about a thousand years, another other is found, and that's the Muslim, and uh, we know about the Crusades. Uh, and of course, the Jews and Muslims together suffered in the Crusades, as did Christians, <laughs> many Christians, yeah? So um, my question is this, is euro able to be to 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 actually exist without a major other is it able to act uh, without having a population to hate uh, and is it possible that uh, islamophobia um, has replaced the hatred of the jews as the main other and that's exactly the um, type of racism that we are not speaking about in Britain. Uh, we're speaking about um, 
anti-Semitism as if the Jews are not allowed to do most things, that they're not represented in culture or finance or industry or, uh, you know, the, the opposite is the case. And uh, it is the Muslim now in Europe and of course in Britain also, um, which is underrepresented in uh, under pressure. Is, is this a European condition of life that they need a major other to hate? First of all, we can say that every identity, collective identity, has an otherness. Uh, we don't have to conclude that the otherness is the enemy. I mean, it's times in history the otherness has to be enemy in time of uh, wars, in time of conflicts. But generally speaking, collective identity has always an otherness. The problem is when the otherness start to be an enemy, a stranger, somebody that has, you know, is a menace for the identity. Now, the, the history of the 20th century shows us that uh, in times of, of war, a national identity was always a enemy of the other national otherness. Now, in all the times of the development of Europe, we see that for Christianity, and I stress it in my book, the otherness is the Jewishness. Also with Islam, the otherness was also the Jew, but the difference, the big difference, the very, very deep difference between Islam and Christianity is the, the Jewish otherness in, in Islam was not a, a subject of hate. A, you cannot find this hate that the Christian has against the Jews in the Islam. You have another things in the Islam, you know, or every monotheism see the other monotheism as enemy, a little bit enemies, but it wasn't a really hate in the Islam. Going back to the questions about today, yes, I'm quite sure that uh, not only after 45, but after the 64, when uh, you know the, the Catholic Church decided that the Jews are not any officially, you see, the Vatican decided to change even uh, some sentence that uh, consider the Jews as, uh, as enemies. Then I think, and I stress it in my book, that from the 60s, you have less and less in the Christianity, this tradition of hateness against the Jews. It's much less. You see, uh, uh, you cannot, came, cannot be a, a political person and came out against Jews after the 60s. It finished. The last time that we find a, a political person, very important, like De Gaulle, speaking generally about the Jews in, in negative uh, fashion, it's finished. I think that uh, hatred of the Jews vanished from the political life in England, France, Germany, Italy, Spain. In place of it, we can find the, the Muslims. And they become more and more a kind of, you know, 
anti-European existence, identity. Why? Because, you know, they are immigrants, they are looking for work, they are different. And much more important, maybe, of all this, this is the, you know, that in the little nationalism, especially in France, and also in England and Germany, you know, the, you, you, you look for enemies, little enemies, weak enemies. And this is the Muslim today. A few years ago, I wrote an article when, uh, by the way, I finished my book about the end of the French intellectual with the question of the Islam in the vision of the European today. Now, what is interesting in this, in this kind of hatred? You know, in the 30s, my father, that was a Polish communist, told me that, uh, you know, he was defined as a Judo-Bolshevik, Judo-Bolshevik in the 30s. Uh, you know, anti-Semitic, Judophobe, uh, defined uh, Leon Blum, the left leader of, the, of France in the 30s, they defined him as a Jew, Jude, uh, judo bolshevik It was a definition to combine, you know, the hatred of the left in the hatred of the Jew. Today, last, yeah, let's make uh, one month and a half, one of the ministers, the minister of education in, in France, defined all these people that try to defend the Islam, Muslim workers, they define him as Islamo, uh, Islamo uh, gauchist. In English, it will be Islamo leftist. It's become, you know, a kind of slogan. I am a Islamo leftist, you know, with the same formula like Judo Bolshevik in the 30s, in the 40s. It's very popular today saying, uh, you know, that everybody that try to define workers, Muslim workers, become a kind of uh, Islamo-leftist. I don't know if in England they use this term. Well, it's they not... don't use the term as such, but the attack uh, of Keir Starmer, the uh, Labour Party leader on the left, is using a Jewish leftist. So uh, he is attacking the left by chucking out people like uh, Moshik Machover and, and others out of the Labour Party. So we're back to the Jewish lefty in Britain as well. Yeah, okay. Then, you know, history a little bit repeats itself as, as we see. Now, what I say that uh, the situation can become worse, especially now after the Corona, uh, the COVID-19 uh, crisis, I'm afraid because uh, from social point of view, the instability of the next year can be very important to, you know, to, to political sensibility, sensibility. And I am a bit, a bit afraid in Europe what can happen today with the unemployment and all this and the hatred of the, the otherness. As you say before, you know, for identity, you need the otherness. It's very important to understand. But not always the otherness is the enemy. Not always you hate the otherness. But otherness is a factor very important to crystallize a collective identity. 
Now, in Israel, if you want, if you can come back to Israel, you know, uh, it's very, very strong, you know. Uh, Israelis are not very, uh, considering the, the, the Arab citizens of Israel as a real part of their nation, not at all. You know, the Jewish identity of the states is stronger than the Israeli uh, uh, definition uh, of the state. To explain it to an Englishman, I will say that imagine today that England, Great Britain, will define himself as English and not British. In the, in the Scottish and the Welsh will not be a part of the, of the national identity. You can imagine that somebody will say Great Britain belongs to the English, not to all the British. This is Israel. The otherness is not only the Palestinians that are living in the occupied territory, the otherness daily, daily, from cultural point of view, daily, it's the Arabs that living sometimes in the next door, in the next quarter, etc. And of course, because there is no Israeli nationality, then um, there are no Israelis in a sense, and the Arabs are not Israelis. They, they have exactly. no Israeli nationality. Exactly. You know, this is one of the things that uh, in, the, in the next years that are coming be will become more and more, you know, ugly, I think, because every step that uh, an Arab Israelis become more Israeli, he become greater enemy from the state of the Jew for the state of the Jews. Then I think that the conflictuality between Arab Israelis, Arab Palestinian Israelis, they become more Israelis, and they are speaking Hebrew. Sometimes I had a lot of students, Arab students, that spoke when I was teaching, spoke uh, Hebrew better than uh, my, uh, you know, Israeli Jewish student. Every step they become more Israelis, they are become more anti-Israelis in politics. Uh, how it will be finished? It's depending so many things, and it's depend also on the attitude of the Europeans to the Israeli state. I want to ask you um, a question before we leave um, the Arab citizens of Israel. Um, a question that comes from the audience. I think we need now to start with questions from the audience. And uh, uh, Professor Lina Jayusi asked me uh, to ask you, um, is there um, a tr a, an, Arab transla an Arabic translation of this book or of the uh, other books? Yeah, then you see, uh, the invention of the Jewish people was translated. And by the way, <laughs> it was Mahmoud Awish that take the initiative. He was uh, alive at the time, he translated. And I gave it to the Palestinian publishing house in Ramallah. The second book, the invention of the Israeli state was translated. The third book, how I stopped to be a Jew was translated. This last book was, is not yet translated because you know, it came out in the, the time of an epidemic, and I didn't take initiative to translate it. But the, the three books, the first three books about the conflict, the Jewish identity, the Zionist identity were translated. The problem is 
that I prefer to give it to the Palestinian little publishing house than to give it to in Egypt or in Lebanon. This is the reason that the fusion in Arabic was less important. To the book from Palestine, from Ramallah, it's much more difficult. Anyway, the three books were translated. I hope that this book, especially the fact that I'm coming into analyzing the Judophobia, the anti-Semitism, I think it's very important that uh, people that are uh, reading and writing in, uh, in Arabic will uh, know it. I, I need to hand you now to our chair who has the audience questions. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so we're, we're opening it up now and um, already, Shlomo, you have answered Lena's question about whether your books are translated into Arabic. So I'll move straight on to uh, Puru Mira, Mia, who, who writes, I am a councillor from Tower Hamlets in East London, where there is a lot of interest in the issue of Israel-Palestine. Traditionally, there was a large Jewish population, and now it hosts the largest and oldest Muslim community in Western Europe. What advice will you give to activists and those intellectually curious in supporting progressive voices in Israel-Palestine? Apart from reading and sharing your books, what advice would you give them without being accused of being prejudicial? That's his question. Without being what? Sorry? Pre prejudicial. Prejudiced. Okay, okay, okay. You see, I hope, first of all, that the Zionist mechanism against any critic about Israel will be, uh, you know, attacked, criticized. And I hope that people will continue not to accept the Israeli domination of the Palestine uh, areas, first of all. Now, it's very important that besides this activism, against the Israeli politics, it will be clear today that nobody is putting in question the existence of Israel itself. Because Israel is utilizing this position very strong. Now, I didn't uh, tell you till now, what is my proposition about the peace in the Middle East? Then I will make it very shortly. I am for two states, but uh, less and less believing that the possibility. Then I am for any any solution that take account the rights, the basic rights of the Palestinian in two-state solution, one-state solution, or a confederation between the two people. Then the important is that somebody is active and try to to fight the Zionist, uh, if you want, the, 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 the Zionist uh, uh, propaganda is to stick with the idea that Israel has the right to, even if it's a product of colonization, it will be clear that it's a product of colonization on the account of other population. But even with this, Israel has the right to exist like Australia, if you want, or America and other, you know, societies that are came out from colonization, then yes, continue to fight. You know, you will help us, the Israeli left, to continue to exist. It's not so easy for us here in Tel Aviv. Okay, thank you, thank you. 
Um, the next question is from Les Levidal. Um, as regards the Christian essentialist concept of the Jews, there is a long tradition of restorationism, whereby restoring Jews to the Holy Land will trigger the second coming. This philo-Semitism has traditional and modern forms, idealizing Jews as heroic victims in the Middle East and even in the West. How does philo-Semitism relate to anti-Semitism? It's the same, same thing. A kind of philo-Semitism was always a kind of anti-Semitism, if you want. You take today the evangelist, the evangelist supporter of Trump in the United States, yeah? A very strong uh, movement, a very strong, you know, electors. They are for Israel, you know, they fought in the fight for Israel politics. Now, I think that most of them, in some way, are anti-Semitic. I repeat, the evangelists that support Bibi Netanyahu, that support today Israeli politics, basically, they are anti-Semitic. Why? Because, you know, in their vision the vision of, uh, of the future, they are sure that in the end, the Jews will become Christian. Mm. A part of them will die, executed, and a part of them will become Christian. That basically, you can find in the evangelist doctrine a kind of anti-Semitism much more than between militant of the Labour Party that criticize Israel. Thank you, thank you. Okay, next question is from Ronald Mendel. Professor Shlomo makes a serious point about Israel as not a Jewish state, but one for Israelis. Yet most Anglo-Jews strongly identify with Israel and many contend that their security rests with the security of Israel. Do you see this as nationalist loyalty? And if so, please explain this identity. It's not so quite clear for me, but I will try to answer it. You see, I don't think that Israel today helps Jews in the world. On the contrary, a lot of stupid people identify Jewish with Israeli politics. Too many stupid people identify Jews with the Israeli politics. Everybody can define himself now. The Jews that defend Israel today, it's policy, oppressive policy in the occupied territory. You can imagine half of a century we dominate people without any rights. Imagine that somebody will put in question the citizenship of Jewish in England. You can imagine it. It's possible this. Then I repeat, it's very important. To support a Jewish state in Israel, I think it's a kind of racism that is not better than anti-Semitism for me. I, I was clear about it. I hope. I hope. <laughs> um, okay, the next question is from Diana Neslin. Um, would you say that anti-Semitism and Zionism have a symbiotic relationship? Yeah. This is a part of my book that I, I didn't speak about it until now. You see, I tried to show 
I, I try to show that Zionism has a problem. Zionism from the beginning didn't want to accept Jewishness as a religion, even not a special religion. They want to consider it as a people, to define nation people from the end of the 19th century. Now, the problem is, if it's a nation people, usually nation people has the same language, the same culture, etc., etc., etc. But the Jewish in Morocco didn't have any cultural, not religious relationship with the Jewish in Krakow, in Poland. What you can do with it? If the Jews in Britain cannot communicate with the Jews in Iraq, how come that it's a people? Especially that in my books, historical books, I show, and nobody can contradict me, that uh, the, Jew, uh, the, the people here in Judea, in Palestine, were not exiled. The exile didn't happen, never happened. There is not any book, research book, in any language that tell us how the Jews were exiled from Palestine. Even one book, you can imagine it? Then I come back to the question. Antisemitism defined, modern antisemitism, defined Jews on the basic of biological terms. They are a race from the second part of the 19th century. The Jews started to be a race. If you ask today, Israelis, Jews, what is the basic of the existence of a Jewish people? What they, they will answer you, it's the DNA. It's fantastic to see that uh, from the beginning, a lot of Zionists, the majority of the Zionists, that knew very well that uh, the relationship within, uh, between a Jew in, in Ukraine and a Jew in uh, Morocco doesn't exist. In, they didn't want to base their identity about religion because if the identity is religion, it's not a people, it's not a nation. Then they started to looking for a biological definition of the Jewishness. You can open, and I advise people that hear us to see DNA, Jewish DNA, after our conversation open and looking in the internet about Jewish DNA. They will found a lot of Jewish people, in, in, especially in the United States, they are looking to find the basic of DNA of the Jews in the world because there is not an other definition of Jewish. Religion, yes, it's serious, but they don't want that the, the religion will be the, a basic of the nation of the Jews. Then, you know, all this show you that Zionism, they try to define Jewishness as a nation race are very close to the anti-Semitism that because they didn't want, you know, Hitler insisted in Mein Kampf. 
in face of the Jews, the German Jews, they say that they are religion, but they are part of the German nation. He insists you are not a part of the German nation. You are a race that came from Palestine. The problem is a, a big part of the, of the Zionists accept basically this notion of definition. Till today, after it, you know, I discuss with people what is Jewishness, and I said it was a very important religion in history, in the history of the Europe, in the history of the Middle East, in the history of North Africa, Jewishness was very important. No, they don't accept. It's not a religion. It has to be a race. Mm. Has to have a DNA, special DNA. And invite them. Look about the Jewish. How they are different. It's fantastic. No, but they are afraid. Religion is not enough to justify the racist politics in Israel. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're working you very hard. It's very brave of you to field these questions that are coming out of the blue. Um, we've got another seven to go. So um, um, Diana Neslam wants to ask another question. We see Islamophobia rising in many places, especially India, Myanmar and China. How is this more than a European and American issue? No, I think the problem, the big problem of our age in the beginning of the 21st century they are losing, and I wrote a book, a new book now, in the time of the, of the epidemic, I wrote a new book about the history of the left. I want to say that we are finding ourselves today in a world without the vision of future. We have less and less vision of the future. In the, this atmosphere is everywhere, you see, the social revolt continue to exist, but without a kind of vision of future. Something in the solidarity and rationality of the political movements of the left are in a big, big cries today. I don't know if I'm clear about it. Everywhere. Then in place of the future, we have politics of identity that are looking to define yourself against the otherness, the hatred of the Muslims in, uh, in, in India is like the hatred of the, of the Jewish uh, 100 years ago in Germany. You have to understand, something is wrong today. It's difficult today, and I'm afraid. Mm. I say that it has a relationship, deep relationship, that I cannot explain now, mm. about the structure of uh, societies today in the beginning, in you know the what happened with the capitalism today in the beginning of the 21st century, but it's another subject that I cannot come in really. You see, okay. Okay. I think that we are in a world today with less and less solidarity between the people. By the way, recently we see, we see even there is not a solidarity between all people and young people in face of the illness. Mm -hmm. So perhaps it's a function of in increasing insecurity. One of the reasons is. Yep. Okay. Sure, Thank the you. insecurity, but it's not only this. I think it's, but I cannot, uh, you see, I cannot uh, come into it in this uh, conversation. I'm sorry. 
Okay, okay. By um, the way, I'm also sorry that it's not in French because it could be much more easier for me to explain myself. No, you're doing excellently. Um, uh, the, the questions are queuing up. So, uh, Sam Bahor is uh, sending in a question from Ramallah. Uh, what, if any, are Jewish and Zionist claims to the Gaza Strip ideologically? Gaza Strip is a is a part of uh, of the land of Israel. Now, uh, Israel was fed up to occupied Gaza, but till now they consider it a part of the land of Israel. Gaza is for me the a wound. I mean, one of the the, the most difficult for me to think about. You know, I grew up in Jaffa. I arrived here as a little uh, child in 48. In uh, all the, my first part of the life was in Jaffa. Walking in Jaffa, walking in Jaffa, I know today that uh, in 48, after May uh, 48, most of the people in Jaffa left for Gaza. A big part, 70% of the people living in Gaza are refugees or children of refugees. For me, it's something that, uh, you know, I continue to fight Zionism because I know that when I was two years old coming as a refugee from Europe, I was sleeping in a bed of a Palestinian children, Arab children in Jaffa, because they didn't take with them the furniture and we didn't arrive to Israel with furniture. You can imagine that Shlomo's son, slept in a bed of a Palestinian mm. child that were taken to Gaza. In, if he was my age, he is living today in Gaza. You want me to to say, to sing, hmm. to feel about it. Shlomo, I know that Haim has a very similar story to you. Um, I'm going to go on to the next question, and I'm going to warn people now, we're running out of time, so I, I, I hope we can take the next four or five questions, but I, I don't think we'll be able to do more than that. So Yigal Arens asks, have you looked at the attitude towards Jews and Israel in the US which seems different in some significant respects from the attitudes in European countries. The Israeli in the United States or the Jews in the United States? I didn't understand. It doesn't actually specify. Have you looked at the attitude towards Jews and Israel in the US generally, I guess, I which yeah. seems different? I, you know, in the book, I'm speaking about uh, two phenomena very important, the United States and the Soviet Union. I think that Judophobia, anti-Semitism in United States from the beginning was different, quite different from Europe. The same thing about the Soviet Union. Uh, anti-Semitism in Soviet Union was quite different than in Europe. About United States, I think that what you say before in one of the questions is the identity, the self-identity of the majority of the Americans is not is not Jewish non-Jews. In the United States, it was black and white. 
the center of the identity, you know, the, the border of the identity was not Jew Christian, it was much more black and white. This is the reason that anti-Semitism, Judophobia in United States was much less important than in Europe. You understand me? Then yeah. till today, if you want, uh, I think that uh, deeply you find much less Judophobia in United States than in France or in Germany. Okay? The okay. auto definition was much more stronger, white and black. Okay. Otherness is the black one. I hope that I answered the question. Thank you, thank you. Um, Lena asks, um, this is a second question from Lena, on the category of Judeo-Christian tradition that is much talked of today, I remember still when the dominant trope in the West was the Heleno-Christian tradition. Can Professor Sand tell us when this shift came about and how and what it serves specifically in politics around the issue of Israel and Palestine? I didn't understand exactly. The but... shift from Judeo-Christian tradition, sorry, from Heleno-Christian tradition to Judeo-Christian tradition. It's the, you know, in the end of the 20th century, you know, the term, using the term Judeo-Christianity made me mad, really mad. After so many years of hatred against the Jews, most of the racists today define themselves as a Jewish Christian. Most of the racists in England and France define themselves as Judeo-Christian. It made me mad about this. I don't know if I understood the question, but the shift was, if you want, especially in the 60s, 70s, uh, you know, I put forward in my book the fact that, you know, so many people in the revolt of the student of the 68 define themselves as uh, Daniel Cohen Bendit. You know, we are all German Jews. This cry for me is, uh, you know, a date in the history that uh, between the, the new consciousness about Jewishness and the existence of Jew between us, in what was before. It wasn't 45, especially the revolt of the students in the 60s that changed the paradigm of the, of the deep identity of the Europeans. It, was, it isn't clear, but I don't have enough time to make it clear. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for your efforts. Um, I've got a couple of questions from Haim now. Um, Haim asks, what do you think of the position of Gadi Kami, who argues for a single state in Palestine of all its citizens, as Israel is already in control of the whole area? In other words, that we need to move to a struggle for the human rights of Palestinians by making them full citizens of the single state, whatever it is called. Now, it's a good question. Now, my position, I didn't make it enough clear before. You know, from 67, I was for two-state solution. Today, I am not repeating it. After 53 years, after the fact that uh, more than 10% of the Jewish Israelis are leaving the occupied territories, my position is today that uh, we have to continue to fight for full rights of the Palestinian it can be in two-state, 
It can be in one state, it can be in confederation. The fight has to be concentrated So one thing. The Palestinian has the same right of the Israelis living politically in the Israel or beside Israel. Then the question is not two states or one state, and I don't believe a solution of two states. I don't believe personally, I'm not against, but I think that the process made it that uh, maybe we have to stress the fact that the fight has to be for equal rights between Israel and Palestinian. In less important if it is two state solution, one state solution or confederation. Equal rights. Okay, thank you. Equal rights. Um, Les adds, um, what is the relevance of the Western settler colonial legacy as an analogy with the Zionist project and perhaps an intuitive identification with Israel? The, the colonization in the West Bank is a continuation of the Zionist colonization from the end of the 19th century. You know, uh, all the project of Zionism was colonization. Without colonization, you couldn't become an Israeli state. Now, the deep relationship of the myth of uh, the fact that Israeli the, the Jewish has a right of Palestine is wasn't, it wasn't the right of Jaffa, Haifa, Tel Aviv. It was the right of Jerusalem, Hebron, Nablus, and Jericho. The deep, in the deep education of the Israeli consciousness, national consciousness, the relationship with the, the, the land of the occupied territories is much more Jewish for a lot of Israelis than uh, Haifa. You have to understand it. It's so deep that I don't believe that Israeli, for its own will, will left the occupied territories. There is not any possibility to do it. I started to say it when I was a young man in 78, 79, and I continue to believe that Israeli cannot, I mean, all the idea that Israeli can leave out the occupied territories is a myth. Because you know, the, in all the education about the history of the place, Jericho belongs to Jewish much more than Haifa. You can understand it. Jericho is a place in the imagination much more central than Haifa or Jaffa. Then if you want, I don't believe that Israeli for its own will will leave the occupied territories. It's not possible. And this is one of the other reasons that I think that the fight has to be concentrated to equal rights. The Arab and the Muslims occupation of Spain that uh, the Jewish uh, uh, community started to be developed. Now the life between Jewish and Muslims in Spain can be a model of living together in the Middle East. But for this, you need other Jews and other Muslims, by the way. You understand? Yeah. Now, uh, in that time, the, the Islam, the Muslims, were the peak of the civilization from point of view of development, cultural development. Uh, Spain, uh, when in the, <laughs> in the 12th, in the 13th century, you know, the center of the world, Andalus was the, 
you know, London and New York of this time, you understand? From point of view of culture. Now, I, in the end, I'm not looking of models of, of uh, living in the past. I think that we have to invent it uh, with new, uh, you know, new tools. Then I don't believe that Andalusia, that the, by the way, the Christian wasn't a part of this uh, life in Andalusia. When the Christian came, it was the end of this, uh, you know, cultural center of the of the uh, Middle East in in that time. Then, I, you know, we have to invent new things, hmm. uh, and I don't think that nostalgia to other uh, times can help us. I Thank don't you. know if I'm clear, but hmm. okay. Another question from Gadi Kani. Why is Jewish identity being tied up with Israel? Because it's become less and less strong. Hmm. If the Jewish identity was strong, it didn't need Israel. Jewish identity historically has relationship with a belief, in a belief in Godness, etc. The center of Jewishness, the center of this culture, is religion, is faith. Even if people are speaking about the faith is coming back, you cannot find Jewishness without faith. Only, only memory. I mean, there is a Jewish memory. If I'm not a Jew, I have a Jewish memory. You know, I came here as a refugee after my, what happened uh, to my family in Poland, then I have a Jewish memory. I don't consider myself in this circumstance as a Jew. I, I wrote a book, a book about it. By the way, I have to stress it. I wrote a book, why I stopped to be a Jew, for two reasons. Maybe it would be a good conclusion. First of all, you see, uh, all my life, I consider myself as a Jew. And I say that till the last anti-Semitic will exist on our planet, I will continue to be a Jew. It was my definition. Till the day that I ask myself, living in Israel, consider my, myself as a Jew, is to consider myself as a privileged citizen. Being a Jew in Israel is being a privileged citizen. And I cannot accept it then I prefer not to be a Jew in Israel. Secondly, and more deeply, you, see, you can become a labor member. You can become a socialist. You can become French if you have a chance. You can become a lot of things. Explain me how somebody can become a, a Jew, not religious, how we say, in a, like secular Jew how somebody can become a secular Jew. You have an answer to it? I decided that I don't want belong to close club. Club that doesn't accept otherness. You cannot become a secular Jew if you are not, <laughs> were, born, were born to a Jewish family. Then I don't want to belong to a closed club. This is the reason that I wrote a book, how I stopped to be a Jew. Really, you know, I continue to have a memory, a Jewish memory. It's very important to my existence. 
I understand history as a Jew. I cannot accept Jewishness as a citizen and I don't accept a future. The only future that I have is the universal future. Thank you. I say internationalist future. Okay. It has become almost impossible to defend or even talk about Palestinians without being accused of being anti-Semitic, even and especially if you are Jewish. Anti-Palestinian Israeli propaganda has a great stranglehold over the Jewish diaspora. How can we defeat this? There's an easy one for you. No, you see, as a historian, I know very well what is mechanism. I know very well what Stalinism is. And I think that Zionism become a sort of mechanism, a sort of Stalinism. Uh, the most popular today in Britain, it's a kind of, you know, it's a kind of, uh, you know, the, to classify somebody as anti-Semitic is like the Stalinists did it uh, six years ago. The same thing, the same mechanism, psychology, political mechanism to define somebody. It was also the mechanism, the same, the same psychology. Then, you know, I'm not afraid. I was accused. And you, if you open the internet, will you find Shlomo San, the anti-Semitic, yeah? I cannot say that I'm, I don't care about it. It disturbed me a lot. But you know, to compare my situation to the situation of my friends in, in Ramallah, in Birzeit, you know, I'm living much easier than them. You understand? Then okay. want yes, uh, anti-Semitism is the new Stalinism, is the new mechanism that we're living in the beginning of the 21st century. Hmm. Thank you. I uh, it stopped. David, you you are muted or something? You you are muted. Um, we may have been hacked um, after um, quite a long time that um, this, um, uh, this series of webinars has um, done very well. It seems that uh, David is um, cut out, so we can't really get to uh, the rest of the questions. Um, I just, ah, yeah, David has disappeared uh, and we have been hacked. Um, well, we know that the Israelis are very good at doing that kind of thing, and this is not uh, something that should surprise us. Um, in the event, I think we need to uh, bring this to, a, to an end because uh, we lost our um, support system. Uh, I want to thank Shlomo again. Ah, David, you have arrived, but you're muted. You're muted. Can you unmute yourself? Sorry about that. My connection in Dorset is very weak. Um, so I'm not sure where we are. Um, I'm, I'd quite like to ask a question, if I may. Yeah. Um, I'd like to ask if Shlomo recognizes a dual and contradictory Jewish identity. 
on the one hand, the assertive Jew promoted within Israel, but on the other hand, Israel encourages the idea of a, a vulnerable Jew surrounded by the hostility you describe as Judophobia in the rest of the world in order to encourage migration. Ah, I mean, Israel has a problem. You know, most of the Jews that arrived to Israel wasn't because of Zionism, you know. Like my parents, they arrived in 48 because nobody wanted them. You have to understand. Till today, the majority of the Jews in the world that has the opportunity, opportunity to arrive to Israel don't want to live in Israel. Most of the people that define themselves as Jew don't want to live in Israel. It's a fact. There is not any place on the planet that a Jew cannot make his valise and arrive to Tel Aviv. For the moment, there are much more Israelis that are leaving this country than Jews that are coming to this country. I'm speaking about the moment. I don't believe that uh, in the United States, we will find tomorrow a new wave of anti-Semitism that will push Jewish to come here. You see, when my parents were in a, a displaced person in Germany after the war, they wanted to emigrate to the United States. My uncle received a visa and arrived to Canada. My parents were obliged to go to Israel. Now, if they have a visa to United States or to Canada, I could become a Canadian or American today. The fact is, it's very important to understand that most of the Jews don't want to live in Israel. It's a fact. By the way, even the Jewish in Iran, in Iran can emigrate to Europe and after to Israel, but not, they are not coming. It doesn't mean that tomorrow a wave of anti-Semitism will put Jewish in the direction of Israel. This is the reason, by the way, that with all my anti-Zionism, I am not excluded the fact that Israel can be, continue to be a refuge for Jews that are persecuted. You understand? Mm. I'm not against the, I, I am against the law of return that give automatically to every Jews the right to become, uh, you know, Israeli citizens after leaving to London to continue mm. to fight uh, anti-Zionist. But basically, you know, because of history, yes. I hope to build one day before I died, a state of Arabs, Israeli, Palestinian, and Jews in this land. I will ask my friend Palestinian to give the right that this state will continue to accept, in the case of anti-Semitism, Jews that are persecuted because of their identity. Okay. Okay. Thank you. For the moment, for the moment. It's not a Zionism that I, I am a right. Nobody wants to go to come to Israel. A part of my student went away to study elsewhere 
if they don't come back, if they got a good job in the United States or in England. Hmm. Zionism is a myth. It's much less force as a, you know, a, as a, a kind of a mobilization of the Jews. In the target of the of Israeli status today is not to bring Jews to Israel. They know very well that nobody wants to come. It's only to mobilize Jews in the world to defend the politics of Israel. Thank you. Well, the last question I've got, uh, Shlomo, is from Carl, who asks, uh, I think this is a suitable last question. Will all this conclude with climate change making Israel-Palestine uninhabitable? <laughs> if I was a prophet, I could answer it clearly, but I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. I don't know. Okay. If you are thinking about the climate and the fact that our planet become more and more hot, and I'm living in a hot place, then even from this point of view, ecologic point of view, there is not a lot of, a lot of a future of this holy land. You understand? If okay. It, <laughs> Thank you. So okay. um, before, before I, I say farewell, um, Haim, is there anything you want to just come back on quickly before we say goodbye? No, I think Haim? we've really uh, tired Shlomo quite no, seriously. No, no. It's, you know, I'm not used to speak all the time English. This is the problem. I have to remind myself a lot of concept. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've done very well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that very stimulating, indeed provocative presentation. Shloma and of course, Haim, fascinating. To Les and the rest of JMP's steering group, and thank you to all for joining us. Details of all our webinars are advertised on JMP's Facebook page, where you can also find out how to join JMP. All our webinars can be accessed via JMP's website. So please continue to do what you can to promote Palestinian rights and please stay in touch. Good night thank and you thank much. you. Okay. Good night.